All right, all right, TLC, welcome to Sunday service. If you're at home worshiping with us, give me a heart to let me know that you guys are there. Give some love that you guys are with us, worshiping together. Hey guys, I'm going to say spread love. I need you to type out, not fear. You guys ready? Spread love. Not fear, not fear. Guys, I have the privilege today of introducing to you our speaker for this Sunday service. Uh, he is Dr. Mike Proud. He is our Director of Mission for the Southern um, Orange County Southern Baptist Association that our church is a part of. If you guys have no idea what this association does, let me tell you something. If you've been part of our pipeline discipleship, you guys got to thank Dr. Proud for it because if it wasn't for him to kind of open it up to our churches, we would not have known anything about it. Pastor Proud is all about connecting our church with all the right resources, all the churches in, this, uh, in Southern California with all the right resources to help us to do our work to bless the world around us a lot better. Uh, I did not recognize him coming in. Um, brother lost 85 pounds. Uh, through COVID, right? I could not say so myself, but he has lost 85 pounds. You probably, probably won't recognize him either. But here he is. Give us some love for Pastor Proud. Yay! Um, it's great to be with you this morning and I, or this afternoon. And, and I know that it's different for us because... Uh, we're in a time where, um, you know, we were gathering, and now we're not gathering, and then we, we were not, and then we gathered again, and then on and off. It seems like uh, 2020 has been a year that has been defined by change. Uh, nothing normal seems like that we've, we're experiencing now uh, is something we've experienced in the past. But I wanted to share a passage of scripture with you. Or, or this afternoon, you you need to apologize. Or I need to apologize in advance. If I keep saying this morning, I'm sorry. I preached at the uh, uh, the Vietnamese congregation this morning, and so I just kind of in that mode. But we're going to be looking at Acts chapter seven, starting in verse fifty four, and we're going to go to Acts chapter eight, verse four. Acts seven fifty four. Acts 8 4 and I'm going to just read that passage for you now when they heard this they were cut to the quick and they began gnashing their teeth at him but being full of the Holy Spirit he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and he said behold I see the heavens opening up and the son of man standing at the right hand of God but they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. And when they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. They went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Some devout men buried Stephen. 
and made loud lamentation over him. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, and dragging off men and women. He would put them in prison. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, this afternoon. Heavenly Father, we come to you now recognizing that, Lord, uh, the uniqueness of the time in, in which we are currently find ourselves. But Lord, the hope that we have in the midst of all of this is recognizing that this has not caught you by surprise, that you are, you've not lost your power or authority over any circumstance or situation that we find us, ourselves in. So Lord, for us, the hope is knowing that you are above this and that you are working your purpose and your plan through this. And so, Lord, help us that we might hold on to those truths so that we can be the hope, we can share the hope that the world is looking for. I pray your blessings upon Pastor Tony and upon his staff and upon, uh, Father, this congregation, upon those that are at home viewing right now. I know that many people have suffered and struggled through this, but, Father, I pray that this morning that they would find that there is hope even in the painful circumstances of life. We praise you, we love you, and we put this time, surrender this time to you, in Jesus' name, amen. The passage that I, I preach, or that I read to you this morning, that I'm preaching from, is a passage that I think speaks to a parallel to what we have gone through in 2020. There are difficult circumstances and situations that we face in life. That's unmistakable, we cannot uh, nobody can deny those things. In fact, it's important for us not to gloss over the difficult situations in life because I think Christians that do that communicate this idea that if you become a Christian, life is just rosy and good for you. And yet we struggle and hurt. We're real people. We, we have doubts. We have uh, things that we, we wrestle with. That's important. But there were people in Scripture in the very same circumstance, which means that when we find ourselves in those situations, it just means we're human. The question for us as God's people is, how do we navigate through those, and how do we hold on to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ? That's one of the reasons I, I, I used this passage of Scripture this morning. Now, the passage of Scripture is really the end result of Stephen and his faithfulness to the Lord. And what was that end result? He was brought before the Sanhedrin on charges of blasphemy. He was convicted. And he was stoned to death. Now I know you may be saying, wait a minute. I thought this was a message of hope. Well, it is a message of hope. And I pray that you, that you bear with me as we navigate through the passage as we look at our circumstances that we find ourselves in, and as we see how God has not lost anything in the midst of this. Let me give you a, a picture, an introduction, or a reminder of who Stephen was in Scripture. In Acts chapter 6, verse 5, we are first introduced to Stephen, who was introduced to us as the very first of the seven that were selected by the church. Now, though they weren't called deacons, many in the church refer to these as the first seven deacons of the church. 
Here was the description that was given to us of Stephen. He was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 6 verse 8 we are told that he went around preaching the gospel. But it says that Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. It's actually Acts chapter 6 verse 8 that starts the context to the passage of scripture that we just read. Stephen was teaching and proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah in Jerusalem. There were a number of the Jews that that came together and they challenged him, but the text tells us that because of his wisdom and his ability to communicate that they, they could not get a footing against him. And so they trumped up charges of blasphemy. The charges were that they had heard him blaspheming about Jesus as destroying the temple and doing away with the traditions of Moses. For them it was that the Jews heard that as he is bringing charges against God and against Moses for which they brought him to the Jewish high court. The Sanhedrin was the supreme court for the Jewish people. And so Stephen is brought before the trumped up on these charges And Acts chapter 7 verse 2 to verse 53, which is the the verse just before the text we read, is Stephen's defense. And what Stephen does is he walks through systematically the accounts of God working on behalf of his people throughout their history. He starts by telling them that God made a covenant with Abraham And in that covenant, he promised that the land that they were living in now would be their inheritance. He then moved to the patriarchs. And then he moved to Joseph, one of the brothers. And he said, as he he dwells on Joseph just for a little bit, he talks about how Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. But how Joseph rose to prominence in Egypt. And because He listened to God. He was God's instrument. The entire family, Joseph's entire family, Jacob and and, and Joseph's brothers, were saved from the famine that came. It was then that Joseph turns his attention to how, how, uh, Stephen turns his attention to how Joseph was used by God to do mighty things in, in the country of Egypt. But then how there was a Pharaoh who came some years later that didn't know of Joseph or his works, didn't know of his family and the benefits to Egypt. And as a result, this Pharaoh, the text says, who knew not Joseph, brought persecution against the Hebrew people because they were growing, they were expanding, they were becoming successful, and he enslaved them tells us Stephen's defense goes on to talk about how this Pharaoh offered an edict that all of the children, all of the male children, two years and under, were to be put to the sword or slain or left exposed to the elements so they could be killed. But then he reminds the Sanhedrin that out of that, God spared Moses, a child who for three months was reared in his own family, but then set Outside, set to the elements, set adrift, and Pharaoh's own daughter finds him, adopts him as hers, and here's the irony of the Lord. 
that which Pharaoh sought to destroy grew up in his very own home. And he was mighty in words and in deeds. He goes on to talk about how Moses sought to take the deliverance of God's people into his own hands when he saw an Egyptian who was um, uh, violating and, and torturing a Hebrew and he killed the Egyptian. But how the, the Hebrews rejected him as God's man. How Moses fled into the wilderness. Forty years he was there and then God spoke to him through a, a burning bush and reinstated him to ministry and sent him to be the deliverer to go back to Egypt, the land that he fled. In each of these circumstances, and there are many others, but in each of these circumstances in Stephen's defense, what he's doing is showing how God used specific people to further his purpose and how there were those in the midst, in the very camp of Israel, that rejected God's plan and put to death his spokespeople. In fact, Stephen comes back because they had rejected Christ as, as the Messiah and had rejected his proclamation of Christ as the Messiah. Stephen's words to the group in the Sanhedrin were, and you are just like your forefathers who killed the prophets and put to death those who spoke God's purpose and plan. Well, as you can imagine, that one Stephen Absolutely no friends in the auditorium. Absolutely no friends of those that were listening. In fact, our text goes on to tell us that they charged against him as one accord, drove him out of the city, and put him to death. That's the setting for our text. I want to reiterate this. This is a message of hope. You might say, how can you say this is a message of hope? It's a message of hope because regardless of what we face and the circumstances that we face, God is always there. I think that's an important reminder for the church. It's a hopeful reminder for the church that God is with us in and through every painful circumstance that we could possibly face. Think about this. One day, COVID-19 will be a thing of the past. There may be some lingering changes that take place, that we experience in society as a result of COVID-19, but it won't be as it is right now. It won't be restrictive as it is. But, he, but here's a word. There will still be painful situations in life. People are still going to lose loved ones. People are still going to lose jobs. People will still have homes foreclosed on them. Businesses are still going to fail. That's what our experience in life has told us. And, it's, and we need not to gloss over those things. Hurtful, painful, difficult situations happen. But there is hope. And I want to look at three truths which I believe bring hope to the believer in the midst of painful circumstances. So let's look at these together. The first one is that God is sovereign in all things. That's the first truth that I believe should bring the believer hope. God is sovereign in all things. Now, I want to be clear here. I did not say God causes all things. I didn't say that. In fact, a passage of Scripture that echoes that sense that, that 
God doesn't cause all things is Romans 8.28. And Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now listen, it didn't say God causes all things. It says God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I believe that this truth permeates everything about the text that we read, the circumstance that I described, and the situation in which we live. God does not cause all things, but he causes all things to work out together for good, even though we may not call them good in the moment. Folks, think about these theological truths and things that we know about God. The scripture teaches us that God is all-powerful. And the scripture teaches us that God knows all things. And the scripture teaches us that God is in all places at all times. If those things are true, and I believe that they are, then the only conclusion that we can draw is while God doesn't cause all things, God allows things to happen for his purpose, to further his purpose. And and listen, that's uncomfortable for me to say, it may be uncomfortable for you to hear, but that is reality, that, that God allows things for purposes that are unseen or unknown to us, but Scripture gives us a history of how that happens over and over and over again. Listen, our life, regardless of how old or how long you've lived, you know that your own experiences of life have demonstrated to you that painful circumstances are something that happens. And they happen to believer and they happen to unbeliever alike. Nobody escapes that. Sometimes there are things that happen to us that are caused as a result of the evil intents of people. Scripture gives us examples of that. There are times when difficult circumstances come to us because of natural disaster, where we can't point the finger at any one specific individual and say, it's his fault, it's her fault, it's their fault. It just happens. These things take place. Yet God is sovereign over everything that happens. And it is this which brings hope in the midst of painful circumstances. Hope is not just that God has allowed this. Hope is not just that God knows about this. Hope is not just that God can stop this. Hope is that God is above all of this, transcendent over all of this, and can walk us through it. I didn't share this in the earlier service this morning, but my, uh, my nephew's wife called me brokenhearted because her cousin had died suddenly uh, as a part of COVID. He was a young individual in his 30s, left a young wife and small children. And her question to me was, her wrestling with her faith was this, how could God allow something like that to happen? And you know what my response to her was? I don't know. I don't know what God's purpose is. But maybe it's important for us, rather than looking at God as the villain, in in allowing this or bringing this about, what if we look at it as God is the one who walks us through it? 
God is the one who wraps his arm around us and holds us in the midst of our hurt and in the midst of our pain. I heard it said this way one time. While I don't understand everything that's happening, I know that I can trust in the arms that hold me through it. And I think that's hopeful for us in recognizing that God is sovereign. God is always working things out for good according to his definition of what good is, according to his purpose. Let's look at the second truth that we, that, that uh, helps us through, brings us hope through difficult circumstances. It's that God allows or uses painful circumstances to bring about change. Pastor Tony and I were just talking about this before the service started. The text that I read to you is undeniably a painful circumstance. There, there's no question about that. The stoning of Stephen, the persecution against the church, the church having to leave Jerusalem and scatter for the sake of their own lives, that's very, very painful. But here's what I want you to notice. The very last verse in the text that we read is chapter 8, verse 4, and here's what it says. As they went, they went about preaching the word. It is that the, the, the gospel spread in greater ways as a result of the painful circumstance that happened with the persecution and with Stephen's stoning. I want you to think back to the examples that I shared out of Acts chapter 7 and Stephen's defense. Remember we talked about Joseph? Again, a very painful circumstance. But God brought about change through that painful circumstance in that he rescued all of Joseph's family from the famine. I want you to think about Moses, where, where the, the difficult circumstance was the slaughter of all of the Hebrew boys. But the change that came about is that God called out of that painful circumstance one man that would be his spokesperson for 120 years he lived. 80 years was 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness, and the last 40 years of his life as God's man speaking forth his word. And beyond that, bringing just deliverance from slavery, God used Moses to establish the sacrificial system, which ultimately pointed to the direction for Christ who was to come. I want you to think about our own experience in COVID-19 throughout this year, 2020. And I know it's been since March, but it seems like it's all been the whole year, right? It seems like everything about 2020 will always be marked for us as COVID. But think about it. Churches and other gatherings were closed. Businesses have been lost. People have lost their jobs. There have been difficult situations like that. Church leaders have had to begin to think differently about how do we do ministry? How do we, make, how do we still remain effective in a time when nothing seems normal? How do we do that? Churches had to pivot. That's been the word we've used at the association for this entire year. It's been the pivot is the word of the year. Because, because it's been constantly having to change, constantly having to redirect, constantly having to think differently about the things that we've done. But I want to throw out to you some things that changed as a result. 
the gospel has gone out in greater ways than ever before. COVID forced churches to go online, to find an online presence. About 85% of our churches, we have 148 churches in the Orange County Southern Baptist Association. About 85% of those churches couldn't even spell internet, okay? They had no online presence. They had no idea what that was or what it even looked like. But guess what the calls were into my office during the first two weeks of our shutdown? How do we get online? And so they got online. And here's what churches discovered. And, and we have to confess, we still don't know what is a view. We still don't know how long do people watch. How, how do we effectively really truly count those numbers? But the early numbers that came in were that churches who were running only 100 in their pre-COVID uh, uh, attendance found that they were having three and 400 views every week of the message. That's all because of COVID. They would have never done that before. But because COVID came and nobody invited it, nobody wanted it, but because it was here and because it came, there was a transformation that took place in the way in which churches did ministry. And it had a tremendous effect. There's another way that it happened. We have many of our churches that have sought to do food distribution ministries to people who are hurting or people who lost their jobs. And rather than just talking about the love of Jesus, they were demonstrating it in practical ways by inviting people to come and get what they needed for their family so they could take care of them. And they did that in their communities and they made impacts in their communities as people who cared rather than just a building they drive by. Nobody wanted COVID. Nobody invited COVID. But because of COVID, these things happened. In a very real sense, the gospel spread in exponential ways through this pandemic that would never have even be, been considered prior, but are something that we live with right now. Now I want you to think about let me, the early church. In Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 28, we have what we call the Great Commission, where Matthew records Jesus' final words as, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Luke, who's the author of Acts, records Jesus' final words as these, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even the remotest parts of the earth. You understand that Jesus' final words to his church were, go. The gospel's not just for people in a specific geographical location or a specific people that are a part of a, a, a DNA group. That the gospel is for everyone. And yet the church was comfortable just staying in Jerusalem. Why? If you look up Acts chapter 2 verse 47 or Acts chapter 5 verse 14, both of those passages say that the Lord was adding to their number daily or continuously while they were right there in Jerusalem. Now it's counterintuitive to say, hey we're seeing new people one to Christ, why should we ever leave? I submit to you that the church was comfortable being in Jerusalem. Even with the little bit of persecution that they were experiencing, they were comfortable, but they were being disobedient to God's call. 
Jesus told them to go share this message with the whole world. But they were happy being right where they were. They were comfortable. They were building ministries right where they were. Nobody wanted the stoning of Stephen. Nobody wanted the persecution that happened. But those were that stoning of Stephen was the catalytic event that brought about change to the early church, just like COVID has brought about change to the modern church, to force it to do things differently. And, and remember Acts chapter 8, verse 4, and as they ran, as they spread, they took the gospel with them. God allowed this painful circumstance to bring about change so that the world could experience this hope. Third thing I want to share with you, final, is that God allows or uses painful circumstances to further his purpose. What was the purpose for Jesus coming to the earth? Not so that we could establish Christmas, right? Or coming up on Christmas, it wasn't so that we could celebrate Christmas. Jesus came to this earth to bring salvation, not just to the Jews, but to the world. To bring salvation to everyone. That, that is God's purpose still. And I believe this is where, where hope for the Christian resides. It's knowing that painful circumstances are not God's end goal. God is not desiring to just bring us pain but that God is working, allowing these things to happen because everything has a purpose behind what God allows. He desires to use his people. He still desires for the church to be the voice of hope in the world. But folks, if we forget what that hope is, we'll stop being that voice. We'll stop communicating and reaching out to people who are struggling and hurting. We need, to re, we need to be reminded of that. God is still, still in control, and he loves us beyond our wildest imagination. Remember what I said earlier? That we don't know everything that's going on. We don't know everything that God's doing. But while I don't know what's happening now, I can trust in the arms that hold me through it. There's tremendous hope in this. I want to finish by sharing with you um, something that I, I, I saw in actually the 20th of April. It was in the early uh, parts of this pandemic that when I had a chance to turn on the news, it seemed like uh, I was picking up on the New York report by Governor Cuomo. Now, let me just say this. I'm not trying to make a political statement. I'm not trying to say that anything about his effectiveness as a governor, as a person, or any of, of those things. It's just that we can learn from every situation. And I thought that in the early days of the pandemic, Andrew Cuomo had a word to speak that was, at that time I thought, I think, looking back now, prophetic. But it, it offered a perspective that I think is invaluable for the church. Here's what he said. Well, most of the country was talking about reopening because, right, Easter was around that time and it's, we were told that we could reopen coming up on Easter or that warm weather was going to defeat this and we would all get back to some semblance of normal. 
But here, here's what Governor Cuomo said. Let us use this crisis, this situation, this time, and actually learn the lessons and value from the reflection, and let's imagine or reimagine what society can be. He then used the examples that New Yorkers had gone through. Actually, our country was affected by September 11, right? 9-11, 2001. When the Twin Towers were attacked, when the, the, the terrorist attack came onto the United States. But New York hit, it was in the epicenter of all of that. And he talked about the difficulty in going through that. But nobody would have invited those terrorist attacks to come. But they came and they had to deal with the aftermath of that. And he said, because we, we took the time to reimagine what we want this devastated area to look like, he said, we rebuilt and we reimagined. And actually, we made it better than it was before. Then he talked about in 2012, when Hurricane Sandy came through and it devastated Long Island and it devastated the the downtown area of New York City and how business had to close down. Really, because of the financial district, everything was crippled for a time. He said there were 69,000 residents that were either damaged or completely destroyed. There were 19 billion, with a B, billion dollars in damage that took place. But then he went back and said, we would have never invited Hurricane Sandy. Nobody wanted that. No one wanted the devastation that it brought about. But because it came, we reimagined what that area could look like. And we took some of the old dilapidated buildings and structures and infrastructure that was there and we tore it apart and we rebuilt and the area is now better because we went through it. And here's how he closed his, his conference, his, or his, his press conference. He said, since we're going to have to go through all of this, and here's what I thought was prophetic, looking back. And it's not going to be fast. Let's at least make this moment, let's at least make this a moment so that we can look back and say, wow, we went through a devastating time, but look at all the lessons we learned and look at how much better we made this place because we've gone through it. The changes that are coming upon the church are changes that some of them we should never do away with. Zoom meetings, regardless of how tired you are of Zoom, Zoom meetings should never go away. There will always be people we can connect with in new ways. The online presence, even though there will be a day when you can come back into the sanctuary, and that's what we want, right? We can work from home, but the church was never intended to be distanced like this. So we'll be back together. We'll be able to hug one another. I'm a hugger. That's the strangest thing for me is go to church and have to keep my distance from people. But we'll be able to hug once again. But the online presence should never go away because there will always be people looking for hope and they'll find it when the message goes out. And I think this is important for us to remember. God is sovereign in all of this. There's hope in that. God sometimes allows painful circumstances or uses painful circumstances to bring about change. But God also uses or allows painful circumstances so that he can further his purpose. If God has allowed it, 
There's a reason for it. Let's, when we don't understand what that reason is, let's hold on to him. Hold on to his arm and trust that he knows what he's doing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to look into your word and to learn from it. And not to gloss over the difficulties of life, but to embrace them. And recognize, Lord, that we, we, we can't avoid them, but that, Father, you are always there. So, Lord, I pray that as you speak to us, as you help us to carry on these truths, carry them with us, that we will be more encouraged than ever before. That, that if there were those who are ready to, to give up, Lord, that they would be willing to keep going, keep pressing on, keep pressing into you because you are faithful. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name.